You're listening to Vox Talk, the voiceover industry's number one podcast, brought to you by Voices.com. It's about voice acting, growing your business, and sharing your knowledge. Vox Talk is a show that you can be a part of. Getting involved is both fun and rewarding. It's time for this week's episode of Vox Talk. Hi, I'm Stephanie Cicerelli. And I'm Carmi Levy. In recent weeks, the movie industry has been a, a bit chaotic, you could say. First, DreamWorks announced it was closing the animation studio that gave birth to Shrek. Then, Oscar controversy erupted after one of the top films of 2014 was shut out of the race for the top prize in animation. In Tech Talk, we'll dig deeper into a topic that's been raging on social media since, well, since before social media was invented. Can voice-based technologies like Siri ever replace real-life human voice actors? And in Voxbox, we want to know if you've ever used Goodreads to pump up your voice acting career. Because if you aren't, you should. And finally, for those of you braving winter in the Northern Hemisphere, we'll discuss three simple ways to protect your voice. It's easier than you might think. And with The Biz, here's Carmi. The Biz, helping you grow your voiceover business. Thanks, Stephanie. This week, we'll take a closer look at one of the more significant Oscar snubs in recent memory. The Lego Movie, the most successful animated film of 2014 and one of the top-grossing movies in any category last year, was shut out of the running for Best Animated Feature-Length Film at the upcoming Academy Awards. How to Train Your Dragon 2, which took home the Golden Globe for animated feature film in January, was nominated along with Big Hero 6, The Box Trolls, Song of the Sea, and The Tale of Princess Kaguya. But... The well-received Lego movie was left off the list, and as usual, everybody wants to know why. How come, Carmi? Why? I wish I knew why. I wish I could get into the heads of those who nominate for the Academy, because, quite frankly, I enjoyed the movie. My kids loved this movie. Is it a movie for the ages? Probably not. But as an achievement in animation, and as an animated movie that's worthy of being considered alongside other animated films for the top prize this year... I'm not quite sure why it wasn't in the running. I think the Golden Globes got it right. It was at least nominated, didn't win, um, but it was in the fight. For it not to be in the fight this year for the Oscar Awards, a bit of a travesty from where I sit. Well, at least the song got in, as we know, the everything is awesome, right? Absolutely, and uh, I still can't get that song out of my out of my head. It's, it's, it is the classic earworm, as we say, Tegan and Sarah, uh, huge on radio, huge in theaters, Uh, And I think it's an indication of just how culturally significant this movie was. This is the movie that everyone was talking about as the animated film of the year. It's the one that had impact. It's the one that got everyone else focusing on other animated films in 2014. So for it to be snubbed, bit of a disappointment, but it's really nice to see that at least the song got the nod. But what is Oscar really looking for in this case? Like, is it artistic achievement or commercial success? Well, I think simply looking at box office receipts isn't the only criteria for Oscar success. I think the Academy really is looking for innovation in filmmaking, and just because you raked in hundreds of millions of dollars doesn't necessarily guarantee you a nomination. Um, And I think they're sending that message loud and clear to the market now that, uh, you know, big box office isn't necessarily going to mean big award wins. Coming up next, we'll zoom in on the Mobile Innovation Summit and how mobile technology is revolutionizing the voice industry. Do you carry a smartphone? What about a tablet? These days, most of us have gone completely mobile. 
and that's especially true in the voiceover industry. But going mobile and knowing how to get the most out of it are two very different things. Now, how do you know which technologies to use, or even what questions to ask? Next month, you'll have your chance to get some answers. The Mobile Innovation Summit hits New York City March 19th and 20th. It'll feature some of the biggest companies that are making the biggest waves in mobile today, including the Weather Channel, BuzzFeed, AccuWeather, and even Warner Brothers. They'll all share insight into how they've used mobile to transform their businesses. Is mobile really the future, Stephanie? I think it, it is, most obviously. Like, you look around and everything you see, there are people with mobile devices. A lot more of web traffic is coming from these devices. Uh, you know, you can't turn around without seeing someone literally on. So I, I remember I was somewhere in a waiting room somewhere, I believe, for an appointment. And literally, no word of a lie, people in one family, each one of them on a device. Like, everyone from mom, dad, child... You know, like it's almost as if wherever you are, you are bound to find some kind of mobile technology and everyone from the oldest to the youngest is using it. And I think what's amazing here, Stephanie, is that it isn't just a matter of using the devices, but over time, the devices themselves are getting better. They're becoming more powerful. The screens are bigger. The graphics are better. The networks that, that connect them to the rest of the world are getting faster. So you can do more on a mobile device today than you could even a year or two ago. And so that means instead of simply being an an adjunct or something that you use when you're away from the home or office, but you leave the heavy-duty work for your real computer, now increasingly you never have to go back to your real computer at all. You can just get it done on your smartphone and your tablet and call it a day. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of utility, I suppose, purposes that your people are using. Uh, for instance, you might have a really nice new microphone, like from the NAM show. You know, you might have one of those devices that you've just popped into to your process. So you don't have to necessarily go back Back to that computer. You don't need to be chained to your desk to do the work that you need to do. You don't. And uh, that mic you're talking about, iRig, company that specifically introduced devices for mobile professionals who don't want to sound like they're using mobile devices to record. And so you can literally have a studio-grade recording capability on your iPhone, on your iPad with, with this high-tech uh, field mic. This is important for a lot of voice professionals, especially because even though many of us already have studios at home, in many cases, we're on the go. We're moving between jobs. We're auditioning all over the place. We may not necessarily be able to get home in order to do that audition or finish that studio work. Having this technology with us wherever we go allows us to get the job done, get it complete, get it back to the client with no compromises at all. In 2015, mobile lets us accomplish that. We'll be covering more about the Mobile Innovation Summit in the next coming weeks, really. Uh, there's a bit of a lead up here and Voices.com is, is involved. So uh, we look forward to hopefully seeing you there if you'll be on the ground in New York. And, and if not, just follow along with us on the blog, on VoiceOver Times, and certainly here on Vox Talk. It's going to be a great show. Next up, the studio that gave birth to Shrek will soon close its doors for good. DreamWorks is closing its PDI unit after a string of huge losses at the box office. What does it mean for the industry? We'll find out next. The movie industry is still dealing with the fallout from DreamWorks Animation's announcement that it was closing its PDI studio by the end of the year. The studio, once known as Pacific Data Images, has been around for almost 35 years, and it has been a driving force in computer-generated animation, or CGI. Shrek was born here, as was Ants, and the studio contributed heavily to Terminator 2 and Batman Forever, among others. Unfortunately, the studio's more recent films have been box office failures. Mr. Peabody and Sherman and Penguins of Madagascar were panned by critics and ignored by moviegoers. Turbo 
and Rise of the Guardians also tanked. These four films alone forced DreamWorks to take almost $300 million in write-downs. In animation, four strikes, and you're out. The PDI closure will be final by the end of this year, and is part of a bigger set of DreamWorks cutbacks that should save about $60 million by 2017. 500 people, or 18% of its current workforce, will lose their jobs as DreamWorks scales back to an annual run rate of one new feature and one sequel. Carmi, how significant is this? It's incredibly significant because it shows that there's a limit to how much money you can make in animation at the box office, and DreamWorks has apparently gone past that line. Uh, they, they're trying to be very uh, aggressive in bringing new titles to market, spending lavishly $150 million plus per project, three, four projects per year. Obviously, the market simply couldn't bear that, um, and they've got $300 million in losses to show for it. So they're paring things back a little bit. They're going to what they call right-size their operation, and hopefully they'll be able to gain some traction and make some money in the process going forward. So where will those 500 animators go? I mean, what does this mean for the voice actors and the producers involved? I don't think that the market really shrinks. I think it redistributes. And so DreamWorks's model isn't working out. You can't consolidate and get that large as a single studio. But that doesn't mean that the work simply disappears. I think uh, smaller production houses will pick up the slack. I think they'll be a little bit more efficient in how they deliver projects. So instead of having massive budgets of $150 million or more, they'll pair those budgets back and be more judicious in how they spend and what they spend it on. At the same time, I think also uh, story and production will take a much greater role. I mean, let's face it, uh, the movies that tanked weren't really the greatest movies that DreamWorks has ever released. And so uh, you know, audiences aren't dumb. They know uh, a stinker when they see one. And in this case, they stayed away in droves. So the incentive now is on is on for studios, uh, big ones like DreamWorks and Pixar, as well as smaller ones, to really up the level of quality. And certainly, if you're a voice professional, you will still have a massive role to play, and the roles will still be there for you. Well, all the same, it's the end of an era, at least for the folks at PDI. So that's all we've got for this week in the biz. Now, coming up next in Tech Talk, we'll ask whether or not voice-activated technologies like Siri will be able to fully replace humans voice actors. What do you think? We'll dig into this next. Tech Talk, walking you through the technological landscape. This week in Tech Talk, Apple's blockbuster record-setting quarter, where it made more money in three months than any other company in history, is once again highlighting the iPhone and the technology that makes it so popular. Siri, the electronic voice-activated assistant voiced by Susan Bennett, has been a source of intense discussion since it was first introduced on the iPhone just over three years ago. Hard to believe it's only been three years. As the big question, can it replace real live voice professionals, seems to have been a source of contention pretty much forever. After we wrote about it in VoiceOver Times, it touched off a lively discussion in our Facebook voice acting hub group. So, Carmi, is Siri going to replace us all? Well, I think the technologists among us would certainly love to have technology replace humans, but we've been hearing this for decades. Will robots replace humans, force us all out of our jobs? Uh, will artificial intelligence mean that we don't have to think for ourselves anymore? You know, the short answer is no. There's always going to be room for human creativity in virtually every industry, and I think that's especially so, and especially applicable in the voice industry. Uh, if you look at Siri, anyone who listens to the product um, they recognizes that they are talking to Siri. This is a technology, not a human. Yes, Susan Bennett voiced it, 
but the way the, the voicing is put together, the way Siri communicates interactively with you, there's no way that it will ever, at least in its current form, take over from a live voice actor to the point that we'll never be able to tell the difference. Maybe 30, 40 years from now, the technology will get somewhere uh, and, and it will achieve that sort of humanity. But right now, we're not even close. Mm -hmm. There were at least 20 people commenting on this. So when we say it touched off quite a storm, it did. Uh, people were on both sides. Of course, there's always someone who says, oh, no, that can never, ever happen. And then, uh, you know, those who hope it won't happen. Happen, uh, but certainly people who have kind of a, a view of what might happen. So it, it's a good topic to follow, and we'll keep doing that. It absolutely is. And I le I've learned never say never, especially when covering technology, because uh, if you look at the tech that we have today, 20 years ago, could we have predicted it? It would have looked magical. So I'm sure 20 years from now, we'll look back and realize that what we have then is also magical, and it also pushes the limits of what we think is possible. So it could go there, but I think for now, we're safe. Well, I still can't wait to hear what comes next. And neither can I, Stephanie. That's it for this week's Tech Talk. Coming up next, VoxBox. VoxBox, sharing your audio feedback. Are you doing everything you can to protect your voice? It's winter here in Canada, and between the bitter cold, traffic exhaust, too much perfume in the elevator, and a bunch of other everyday irritants, it can be quite a challenge to keep your voice in top form. Here are a few tips to keep in mind. Now, first of all, if you want to be protecting yourself from that cold I mentioned, and I know that it's not limited to Canada, we are not the only cold country right now, um, what you can do is wear a scarf or a neck warmer, and a neck warmer is probably preferable just for safety reasons, but the reason for for this is that you can control the temperature of the air that you're breathing in. Like I do this all the time, uh, especially if someone has asthma or, or maybe you have um, COPD. You you really do want to protect your the, the air that you're breathing in, but more so, um, you know, even if you don't have a reason to do that for, for medical purposes, it's just smart to do because if you're running into a studio or you've got a session, the last thing you want to do is have a dried out voice because that's honestly what the air is doing. It is sucking the life out of that wonderful warm up you just put all that effort into. I'm having problems on the drive-in, Stephanie. It's when I'm in the car and I'm in traffic and my, my HVAC is sucking in uh, smoke and exhaust from the cars in front of me or when I get to the parking structure and everyone is kind of waiting to get into their parking spot and they're idling. By the time I get to the office, I'm, I'm having problems breathing because of everything that's floating around me. Um, and so I'm really paying attention to it. I'm starting to use the recirculate feature uh, on my car's heating uh, and ventilation systems so that if I'm around other sources of exhaust or pollution, I'm behind a truck in traffic, for example, you can put it on a recirculate, which closes off the vents to the outside so it won't pull in air from around you, and hopefully you can avoid pulling in that negative air. Also, when I get to the parking structure, I park on the outside of it, so facing the open side of it, at least then, when I'm walking out, I can get some fresh air as well. Now, those are great ideas, Carmi. I know you had introduced that idea of the recirculating of the air to me a little while ago, and we incorporated that into a, a great article from which these ideas actually stem. Um, but also, something that we do here at Voices.com, and it's, it's an office policy, is that we are a scent-free, fragrance-free environment. And you may not know, but a lot of people have severe problems with strong scents, be they colognes or perfume or maybe even a strong-scented soap. So, uh, 
you know, like someone who may have an issue with this uh, may have to, you know, they smell something and it just really, really irritates and they can't breathe. It starts to close down uh, their ability to do that. And what they need to do then is use a puffer or some kind of a, a device to help them to, to just calm down, to, to not be so consumed with what's going on. And it is not something that you want to, to have someone go through. It's just like a peanut allergy. Like if you're going to be sensitive to, well, let's not have peanuts in a school, let's not do this and, and let's protect people. Uh, just, you know, the strong scents and fragrances can be just as bad to other people who have more of a respiratory problem. Very much so. My wife and daughter are both asthmatic. They both carry their puffers. They always have them on them. I'm always asking if they've got them. Big issue in my house and uh, from the looks of it, big issue uh, out there as well. Good to see uh, that we're driving some awareness to it. Mm -hmm. And of course, this extends to scented laundry detergent, you know, fabric softeners, anything of this nature that has an extra kind of whiff of something like a Febreze, um, you know, like these are very strong and they can impact people in a very negative way. And perhaps you can relate to this as well. So uh, with that said, we hope that you're taking good care of yourself. And we're going to move just now into uh, Goodreads because we did mention that earlier. So the question I have for everybody out there is, are you on Goodreads? And if you're not, um, honestly, why not? Because there are so many wonderful avenues that you can take as a narrator, or even if you just love to read, just to archive and to say, this is what I've done. Here's the work that I've actually narrated, you know, and also to, to have community with people. It's a great social media addition to all of your marketing efforts. So if you are in the voice industry, it's an amazing way to, A, get new ideas and then get your work out there and connect with your community so that you can find more work and, even more importantly, find more meaningful work. There certainly is a great community at Goodreads. Uh, I had the great pleasure of, of seeing the co-founder of Goodreads actually presenting on a panel at Book Expo America a number of years ago. Very brilliant guy. He founded the company with his wife and, uh, you know, just um, an interesting environment for people who narrate to kind of use a social network to their advantage that they may never have thought of. So an idea that I kind of said when to create a bookshelf, uh, you could certainly have a shelf of books that you've read and to keep your skills sharp, to always be reading, but to have a shelf that's kind of dedicated to the books that you've actually narrated. And there you can link to the actual book or maybe even the, uh, the audio book. Uh, all you have to do on this app is just scan um, the ISBN number, like just on the back, there should be a barcode of some kind. You can scan it and it'll automatically look for that publication, whatever it might be. So, so just think about that when you're trying to think of new ways to get your voice out there. Good stuff. Thanks, Stephanie. Well, that's VoxBox for this week. To hear more about these stories, go to the Vox Talk Facebook page. Thank you for joining us. I'm Stephanie Cicerelli. And I'm Carmi Levy. To continue the conversation on Twitter, just use the hashtag VoxTalk. We'll be back next week. See you then.